0: Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast dedicated to chronicling the years 1990 through 1999. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Elphick.
1: And I'm Connor Thompson.
0: This week we are bringing you June 18th through 24th in 1993. Good good year, you know? Three, that's a number. (laughs) Prove me wrong,
1: Connor. Prove me wrong. Jumping in, June 18th. FDA Finds No Evidence of Contaminated Pepsi Cans Federal Food and Drug Administration Chief David A. Kessler said Thursday that investigators have found no evidence to support suggestions that syringes were placed in Pepsi cans as part of a nationwide tampering scheme. There have been dozens of reports from 23 states that needles have been found in Pepsi cans and at least six people have been arrested for allegedly filing false claims. But sources close to the investigation uh, said the report that started it all from an 82-year-old man in Tacoma, Washington, who found a syringe in a Diet Pepsi can on June 9th may have stemmed from a mistake. The sources say that although the man believed that the can had been tampered with, investigators have learned that the mother-in-law of the man's daughter is a diabetic and may have disposed of the syringe in a soda can, a protective measure recommended by the American Diabetes Association. Quote, reports of tampering breed additional reports, Kessler said at a news conference (laughs) in Washington. It's a vicious cycle. That is what we believe happened here. So that makes sense. But it's pretty surprising that the American Diabetes Association recommends like, Popping your needle in a can. That seems pretty yeah, easy that's... to forget about.
0: Oh yeah, and like someone could take a drink out of it and then be popped with a needle. Um yeah, that's interesting. The most confusing part of the article, I think, however, is uh the mother-in-law of the man's daughter. That just that's a roller coaster ride that I have trouble following. Yeah, it was difficult to say. Yeah. Uh moving on to June nineteenth. Go ahead, Dad. It's your dime. This comes out of Basking Ridge, New Jersey. I Never heard of that. Father's Day may run a distant second to Mother's Day on most counts, but it's the number one day in one category: collect calls. Despite trailing Mother's Day in a total, uh, in total by 23 million calls last year, uh, 106 million compared to 83 million, the portion of collect calls was 27% higher on Father's Day, according to American Telephone and Telegraph Company, also known as AT and T.
1: Is this some kind of like? Smack talk on deadbeat dads.
0: Oh no no! I think this is the I think this is the kids like calling their parents uh, or like you know wishing their father a happy Father's Day, but they have to accept the charges. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would meet in the middle. I'd be you know like this is Bell Canada. You have a collect call from. Hey dad, happy birthday. See you later. Bye. I mean, happy Father's Day.
1: Yeah. Oh. So man. then I'd
0: have to call collect again and say, "Sorry, I meant Father's Day. See you. Bye."
1: It's hilarious and shitty either way.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff.
1: All right, June 20th. The Chicago Bulls, led by Michael Jordan, secure a 99-98 to win over the Phoenix Suns, winners of 62 games, and led by regular season MVP Charles Barkley for their third consecutive championship, also known as a three-peat. The Bulls became the first team since the legendary Boston Celtics of the 1960s to win three consecutive championship titles. <laughs> Clinching the quote, three peat with John Paxson's game winning three pointer that gave them the 99 98 victory in game six. Oh, so yeah. I should have read a little further ahead in the article.
0: I like that you came back to th- uh, that three peat led into three peat.
1: Oh, good stuff. Also on this date, a landslide on the South Nation River destroys the abandoned townsite of Lemieux, Ontario. Abandoned townsites are so cool. Oh, yeah, that, that's a, a really cool thing. I read into this a little more. Uh, the
0: town site was abandoned because they uh, did geological research and uh, the soil or the foundation that the town was built on was deemed very prone to landslides. So uh fucking good measure on abandoning the town and also, you know, just props to this town for heeding the advice of scientific research right
1: agreed
0: uh let's move on to the 21st of june andrew wiles announces a proof of fermat's last theorem uh at the isaac newton institute the proof is slightly flawed uh but he announces a revised proof the following year that's pretty cool for any math geeks out there um i assume i don't quite understand this but yeah you know you know yeah the the
1: solving of fermat's last theorem was a big thing yeah in, there, there our, you have it. in our grade ten math class, I think uh, Mr. Fraser had uh, like a newspaper article on the wall about this.
0: I believe that. See, I I was more drawn to the. Do you remember the pie that wrapped around the entire classroom?
1: Nineteen. I got to nineteen digits.
0: Oh, I got over fifty. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, but I will not waste the podcast's time with that and instead move on to uh, article from today. Colorado Pyramid Plan Sparks Poignant Debate. Eh. Um, this comes out of Crestone, Colorado. Religious tolerance has long been a source of pride in this former mining town at the base of the Sangre de Cristo mountain range, where 300 townsfolk worship Christ Buddha, or Hindu fire gods, and then attend civic picnics together. Oh, that's, uh, you know, that's some Hands Across America stuff right there. It really is. Fifteen years ago, a philanthropic foundation began granting land uh, here to spiritual movements, to major spiritual movements, with the intention of creating a haven for religious practices. But the tolerance began to show strains two years ago after the arrival of a new group that obeys a celestial master with a commandment to keep the world from wobbling off its axis. The formula? Build a 396-foot pink granite pyramid near Crestone with an obsidian cap. Okay, uh, pink and green. I don't know how well that goes together. Uh, Quote, I just can't believe that this is anything but a big joke, scoffed Mayor Marlene Pruitt. I thought that the pyramid plans died with the Egyptians. Wrong, wrong, all wrong, insist dozens of followers of an ethereal being they call Kuthumi, whom they believe communicates to their earthly leaders through Norma J. Milanovich, 48, of Albuquerque. They have moved to this area and purchased land here in anticipation of their impending crossing to the fifth dimension through the proposed pyramid. Wow. This is something that... I think is interesting about the 90s. Weird cults and religions. This is something eventually I'm trying to do some research in, but yeah, well, we might get back to it one day.
1: We've got a rolling note in our Google Doc to discuss <laughs> yeah. weird cults. All it says is weird cults.
0: Question mark.
1: Yeah. Moving on to June 22nd. It won't be the last. By Billy Ray Cyrus, was released today. It was certified platinum by the RIAA, uh, and the album produced four singles, which we've never heard of and are not going to discuss.
0: Also yeah, what on the this fuck date, this
1: album, and I don't care. Exactly. Also on this date, Clinton seeks to contact men said to be kin. Uh, President Clinton said Monday that he is trying to get in touch with a California man who claimed over the weekend that he is the president's half-brother, a relative the president, apparently never knew about. Clinton, in an interview with uh, WCBS Radio in New York, declined to make a direct comment on the claims made by Henry Leon Ritzenhaler, 55, saying he wanted to talk with him first. Quote, I would be glad to give a reaction, but let me say, I've tried to call him today and have not talked to him, and I think I'll talk to him before I make any public statement, said the president. Haler of Paradise, California, said in an interview with The Washington Post Sunday that he and Clinton, 46, share the same father, William Jefferson Blythe.
0: Good stuff. It later turned out that the two are, in fact, related. Um. Also, quick note, when I want uh, delicious salted crackers, but I'm also having uh, a bit of problems with my asthma, you know what I do? I What's reach that? for my Ritz inhaler. Ha! Ah, oh, terrible. June 23rd, in Mana Is that? Do you think that's right?
1: <laughs> Manassas. Manassas. <laughs> in Mana Asses. No,
0: in Mana or as some people like to call it, Manassas, Virginia, uh, Lorena Bobbitt cuts off the penis of her husband, John Wayne Bobbitt. Ugh. Also, Good Morning Vietnam was released on home video today. Well, one of
1: those is good.
0: Yeah, um, the other one is a bit of a dick move.
1: I get it. Closing out the week. Speaking of dick moves, a uh, June 24th, a Unabomber bomb injures uh, computer scientist David Gilertner. Sure. At Yale University. Also, in our last story for the week, House OK's space station by one vote. The 216-215 tally is a shock to backers of the project. By the slimmest of margins, the House voted Wednesday to build a scaled-back space station, but the narrow victory was a shock for backers of the controversial project. The 216-215 margin foreshadowed likely trouble for supporters of the program next week when lawmakers are to vote once more on the $25 billion space outpost. Lawmakers attributed the robust opposition to the budget-cutting frenzy on Capitol Hill and the arrival of more than 100 new representatives who had never before voted on the project.
0: Uh, that's pretty crazy, and I guess because of that, maybe that's what, what we have to thank for there being a space station. Pretty cool. And, uh, that's the week. Uh, should we move on to movies and music?
1: Yeah, let's jump into the box office in the number one spot in my top five, in my top three even yeah jurassic park jurassic park is an incredible movie uh you know what's not quite as good the last action hero which is in the number two spot but it's classic schwarzenegger it is
0: classic schwarzenegger but fuck that movie suffers for for, there's some problems in that movie
1: uh namely magic ticket it's true um another kind of classic action movie this one was stallone though cliffhanger at number three Cliffhanger.
0: Fuck, that was, uh, I mean, classic 90s action movie. Uh, moving oh, down the list, uh, What's Love Got to Do With It, Made in America. I, I don't know. What else do we have to uh,
1: mention? Indecent Proposals Toward the Bottom. Oh, yeah. Nothing great, though.
0: All right. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what's in music this uh, this week. Because, uh, again, the Billboard Ooh, this website is... just is not good. Ooh, yeah, not not bad. Um. Okay, Janet by Janet Jackson is at the number one spot. Uh, that's cool.
1: Meh. Ooh, Unplugged and Seated, Rod Stewart at number two.
0: Nice, nice.
1: Uh, But in the number three is The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Yeah,
0: that's what brought us here. This is just, an, it's an iconic album cover more than anything. I, I love this. Oh, agreed. Uh, Let's see. The Bodyguard soundtrack by Whitney Houston is at number four. Breathless by Kenny G is at number five. Um ho-ho. Get a Grip by Aerosmith is at number six. Why I was making that noise though was because Pocketful of Kryptonite by the Spin Doctors is at number seven. You love the Spin Doctors. I mean, I like that one song, but that's really all there is, and I've got more to mention about the Spin Doctors in a little bit.
1: Okay. Uh you know what? Let's just let's just cut it there. There's nothing really exciting on here.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh that's it for that. But you know what? We're not gonna leave music quite yet. Uh because for a minute. I just want to talk a little bit about Good Vibrations by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. This is something I hesitate to call a song of the week. Okay,
1: okay, go on.
0: Alright, so at some point in the last week, I, I was listening to this song, it came on, and something occurred to me. While I don't approve of basically everything that Mark Wahlberg did in the early 90s... Um, mostly violence and like racism-related things. I do have to commend the young Wahlberg on just really giving it his all in this song. For pretty much all he like, for all all that he really does in this song, is say "Come on and feel it." That's basically the extent of Marky Mark's contribution to this song. Yeah, there's some there's some rap verses, but it's really just "Come on, come on and feel it, feel it." But the passion that he brings to those four words, it really he makes me really it. into it. He is so oh. into it. And I think because of that, I, I felt the vibration.
1: That's fair. I think that is fair to say.
0: Yeah. And that's just, that's all I wanted to really mention about that song. Like, fuck, like Marky Mark was up to some really questionable shit. If you look at his Wikipedia, the early 90s and the late 80s were not a good time for Mark oh, no, Wahlberg. Oh, he was a dick. Uh, but I think, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and regardless of what you think of him now, I, I'm, I'm really on the fence, but fuck, I felt the vibration.
1: I like that. Why don't you par- parlay this straight into nineties news now? Cause this was yours. Well, I mean, you remembered it. I meant to make a note. I actually wrote this down somewhere and promptly lost the note.
0: Oh yeah. I've got uh tons of, there, there are tons, there's tons of content on this podcast that will never see the light of day uh purely because both of us have pretty bad short-term memories i think don't write things on napkins also yeah so last week burlington had their annual sound of music festival and their uh i think it was actually their saturday lineup was pretty stacked for uh for 90s music uh out of maybe their 5 or 6 bands that they had performed their entire day uh we had included amongst them the spin doctors which i said i'd be getting back
1: to smash mouth and the offspring pretty great lineup like i would i would go see smash mouth i bet you that is a fun show i
0: i don't know i mean i might go see smash mouth but i really don't want to try cocaine yeah i would go see offspring for sure i would definitely see off the offspring they are a band i legitimately enjoy so if i did see smash mouth or even spin doctors it would be for the sort of the comedic value that it would bring the uh, Hey, these are the guys who made that one song, Two Princes, and what the fuck, I am actually seeing Smash Mouth, what the hell is actually going on, is this real life? I don't know, but I'm watching Smash putting Mouth. This, putting this out there, I think would, I've said
1: this yeah. on the show before, but Smash Mouth's greatest hits album is a legitimately enjoyable album, and I mean that. You you have said that, and uh, I don't know, I I don't know who you are. Well, moving on to this week's nineties spotlight. This is the single most Chris nineties spotlight we have had. Like I could reading through what you wrote here, I could feel how much you enjoyed putting this together. <laughs> yeah, um
0: So you're you're okay with
1: this. Oh, I love this. Are you kidding me? We've we've talked about these before, but never with this depth, and just going through the list yeah. is a, a pile of happy memories. <laughs> All right, so uh, without further ado,
0: uh, this week's ninety Spotlight is a tribute. A tribute to the talking cats of the 1990s. <laughs> I think this decade was a unique time for animals in general and their ability to talk, whether in cartoon form or live action. Something about this decade really made movie and TV producers, writers, w- directors want to give their animals a voice. and We've composed, I guess. Well, I've composed a pretty in-depth list, probably not complete, of some of the talking cats of the '90s.
1: Connor, why don't you, uh, you, you take away the first couple? All right. So right at the top of the list, fan favorite, definitely in my top five favorite talking cats, at uh, Salem Saberhagen from *Sabrina the Teenage Witch*.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, moving down the list, we've got Luna and Artemis. These are the talking cats
1: and advisors to the Sailor Scouts on Sailor Moon. Uh, next, Thackeray Binks. What? <sighs> Why? So I know this name? Actually, Sandra. Sandra's cat was named Binks. Wasn't it after Thackeray Binks? Yes, that's right.
0: Um, This is from the movie uh, Hocus Pocus.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you, you okay. take the next one. So next on the list, the the 90s classic Samurai Pizza Cats.
0: Oh, yeah. There were three of these Pizza Cats. I think there was, let's see, Speedy Ceviche. Um, and I'm drawing a blank after that. That's
1: okay. Uh, moving yeah. on. Garfield. So while Garfield is not from the 90s, he is from October of 1988. I only know that because that's my birth year and month. And I Wikipedia it one time. Uh, he did have cartoons and TV specials in the 90s. And obviously, the classic cartoon was, like, the newspaper cartoon, still a thing. Um, yeah, definitely. And I'll I'll stop my half here because I absolutely love Sassy the Cat from Homeward Bound. So sassy.
0: Yeah, and voiced by Sally Field, who I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you've got a, a place in your heart for Sally Field. I do.
1: Oh, I definitely do.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. Uh. Moving down the list, we have, of course, Half of Cat Dog, <laughs> which I don't think needs any further explanation. Yep. Uh, Henrietta Pussycat. Now, again, this is not strictly from the 90s. Uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was a long-running television show. But Henrietta Pussycat, I feel like I would be remiss if I did not mention this cat. Agreed. Um, and again, something that I was a little on the fence about, but I guess Sylvester from the Looney Tunes. Because while the Looney Tunes itself is definitely not a 90s thing, if you had to cement a decade for the Looney Tunes, it would be somewhere else. But Space Jam is 100 a 90s thing. Why
1: don't you finish out the list?
0: All right, we've just got a couple more here. Uh, Corrin from Dragon Ball, uh, a little lesser-known talking cat, but he's a wise mystical cat, and uh, he's in he's in charge of the Senzu beans, is he not? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, iconic Rita from the the Animaniacs. Uh, that cat had one hell of a voice. She really did. And finishing off the list we've got Meowth specifically the one on Team Rocket from Pokemon Ooh. because uh do you ever remember the Meowth origin story episode <sighs> it's where he learned how to talk yeah faintly it's pretty tragic i think it's all over like uh the love of like a of a girl or something yeah that he teaches himself how to talk the whole episode is uh as far as pokemon goes kind of heart wrenching pokemon had
1: some really poignant moments to it just as a series
0: they did. Um, guys, if you think we've missed out on any cats, uh, feel free to hit us up and maybe we'll uh, talk about them again, maybe not. Quick note, I feel like I made a point specifically not to mention Simba from The Lion King because a lion is not exactly a cat and I feel like that would open up a whole nother section of cats that I just really didn't feel like researching. So a I guess a shout out to Simba with an asterisk.
1: Fair enough. And and obviously like Mufasa and Nala, etc. Mufasa,
0: Nala. We're
1: not shouting out Scar, Scar, I guess.
0: No? What about Jeremy Irons? Can we shout out Jeremy shout out Irons? Jeremy
1: Irons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not not in relation to his role not as a Scar. talking cat.
0: Yeah, we will be shouting him out instead for his uh his sly role, cat like slyness in Die Hard with a Vengeance as um simon peter gruber i like that all right
1: M- yeah moving there we on go. to what can only be described as the greatest segment of our podcast that we get to talk about on an oh, yeah, uncomfortably
0: it's... regular basis on a, on a very comfortably regular basis
1: moving on to that somewhat moderately raven take it away
0: oh okay uh you know what happened this week in 1993 here's what happened The album, Here's to New Dreams, Uh, this is the debut album by the American actress and singer Raven Simone, was released this week on June 22nd. Uh, Raven was signed to MCA Records at the age of five, making her the youngest artist ever signed to a record label. I think we've mentioned this before, but didn't release the album until she was seven. The album sold just 73,000 copies to date, which still kind of seems like a lot. And according to the thank yous written in the liner notes, she was uh, signed to MCA Records by Wendy Creedle and received vocal training lessons by Missy Elliott, who was then credited as Melissa Elliott. The song, That's What Little Girls Are Made Of, was the first single written and produced by Missy Elliott. Also, Raven is the Flavor was also a single. That
1: sounds uncomfortably sexual as a title.
0: I I hope not. Maybe it's just ice cream or something.
1: All uh, right. Let's, yeah, let, let's, let's hope. forget about that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Diving into our sponsorship segment. So every week on the show, we bring you a sponsor, sometimes real, sometimes fictitious, ideally taco related. However, this is not about tacos. If you would like to be a $10 sponsor, you can pay us in tens of dollars or tacos. Drop us a line at stuck in the 90s podcast at gmail.com. But for now, this week's sponsor, this week's episode. Is brought to you by a little something that we call shareware
0: Shareware was an unfortunate reality of nineties <laughs> computer software, <laughs> and we would like to uh give them a shout out for i think instilling a sense of of distrust in my in my soul in our souls oh, yeah. in the souls of the internet uh because sometimes when something seems like it's too good to be true. It was shareware. If you wanted to download a game and it said it was free, it was shareware. If you bought a collection of games boasting hundreds of playable video games over multiple CD-ROMs and you find out that the vast majority of them are shareware, that is something to crush the soul of a young child back in the 90s. Am I speaking from experience here? I don't know. Today, we have in-app purchases. That's how they get your money. But you know what? You can still play the game. Shareware, you have maybe a 10-day trial, maybe a 30-day trial, maybe a two-hour trial. But there is something limiting your fun. You cannot pay. You cannot play until you pay for this game or any kind of software. (sighs) Do you have anything to add about Shareware?
1: Oh, of course I did. All right. I remember buying one of those like it wasn't me it was it was definitely a birthday gift or something but it was like a you know 100 games over four discs yeah and the vast majority of them were just demos like you would get like the first four levels out of 20 and that was it and the only like full version of the game was like there would be like a knockoff of tetris yeah and Like a a Sonic the Hedgehog, but that was like a koala bear or something. Like it didn't make any sense. Yeah, Sonic the Sonic the Koala. Yeah, pretty much. Shareware was brutal. It, you you are absolutely right that uh, shareware is the in app purchase of the nineteen nineties. It is, but it was so much worse. Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um. Fuck shareware. Again, we here at Stuck in the 90s would like to thank you for just you know giving us that real world sense of distrust back uh, back when we were just uh, just young kids. Shareware
1: go fuck yourself.
0: Yeah, fuck yourself Shareware. I'd like to end on a positive note if uh, if that's okay.
1: Oh, I like that.
0: I want to give a shout out to WinRAR.
1: Ooh,
0: because as as trial as demo software you had 30 days to to use it, abuse it, and then come to the decision whether or not you wanted to purchase this program. However, they never limited it at all. You can still, like, you, you just have to dismiss the trial message and you can use it forever. That is, that's something beautiful, especially for such a very useful piece of software.
1: Did you or anyone you know purchase Winrar? Tell us your story because you are in rarefied air again our email address is stuck in the 90s podcast at gmail.com so if you bought winrar if you know someone who did if it was a family friend or your parents or grandparents or maybe you bought it because you felt this immense guilt for using a program for years on end without paying a goddamn dime for it like the rest of us heathens tell us your story you might be the most interesting man in the world or woman. Yes. Or whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what? You don't need... I don't think you need to enter gender when you're registering your uh, paid copy of Winrar. I don't think so. You can be whoever you want to be. Um, and again, another, another beautiful thing about Winrar, in a world of deceitful lying pieces of shareware... <sighs> yeah.
1: Winrar was a, a beautiful lighthouse beacon. On a on a dark rainy evening.
0: <sighs> okay, as always, you can find us online stuckintheninetiespodcast.com, facebook.com com, slash Stuck in the Nineties Podcast, maybe Twitter s i t nineties, Instagram Stuck in the Nineties Podcast. I think you guys get it, right? I
1: think if so. You want to be
0: a yeah? If you want to be a ten dollars sponsor, as Connor said a moment ago, send us ten bucks, give us some tacos. Hell, screenshot your. Uh, you know what? For next week, or maybe a couple weeks, screenshot your, like, license key... Not your license key, but your proof of purchasing Winrar, and we will give you... You've got got 30 seconds to a minute where we will say basically whatever you want.
1: I absolutely agree with that.
0: Yeah, so uh, $10 sponsor, tacos, or proof that you've bought Winrar, and... You could bring uh, you could bring the world the next episode of Stuck in the Nineties.
1: Oh, also one more thing. Uh in case All the right. editing from this one ends up a little bit funky, I will do my best. Uh we are recording from separate locales. I am currently in Goderich, Ontario, where it's thunderstorming like a motherfucker. I am currently in my bedroom, which is on the second floor of a house,
0: and uh, you may, again, depending on how the editing goes, you may have heard a beep about two minutes into recording, which was me uh, turning off my air conditioner because I forgot, and it's
1: getting toasty in here. Nice. That sounds like as good a closing note as any. What are we going to do next week? A week in the 90s. Probably in June, but I won't tell you for sure until next week.
0: That's right. Maybe we're going to get into July 1st. I don't really know because I can't do simple math. It's
1: very Uh, difficult.
0: But for now, I think uh, the podcast is now now over. Over. That is not synced up at all. That is going to be garbage. That's going to be interesting. But uh, you know what? We will see you podcasters, podcast listening people next week. Bye. Peace out.